0: For our scripture reading today, we're going to read the whole chapter of Genesis 39. It's not a very long chapter. Genesis 39, beginning to read with verse 1. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought, bought him from the Ishmaelites, who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph. And he was a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house and all that he had put under his authority. So it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had had in the house and in the field. Thus, he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except for the, the bread which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance, and it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph, And she said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, look, my master does not know what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you because you are his wife. Now how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So it was, as she spoke to him, as she spoke to Joseph day by day, that he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her, but it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work that none of the men of the house was inside. That she had caught him, that she caught him by his garment, saying, "Lie with me," but he left his garment in her hand and fled and uh, ran outside. And so it was when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and fled outside that she called to the men of her house and spoke to them, saying, (coughs) See, he has brought brought into us a Hebrew to mock us, because he came into me uh, to lie with me, and uh, I cried out with a loud voice. And It happened when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and ran and fled outside. So she kept his garment with her until his master came home. Then she spoke to him with words like these, saying, The Hebrew slave or servant whom you brought to us came into me to mock me. So it happened as I lifted up my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled outside. So it was when his master heard the words which his wife spoke to him, saying, Your servant did to me after this manner that his anger was aroused. Then Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison a place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoner all the prisoners who were in the prison, Whatever they, uh, whatever they did there. It was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. May the Lord bless this reading to our understanding today as we study this passage of Scripture. Now, the theme of the the, theme of the passage is loneliness or being alone, alone in the world, because if anybody, if anybody prefigured Being alone in the world, it was Joseph. He was cut off from his people. He was cut off from his family. He was even cut off from uh, his uh, linguistic group, the Hebrews. Joseph was alone. He was sold as a slave to Egypt and had to wonder day and night, what will befall me? Uh, the the story of Joseph. I don't know whether you've ever thought of it before, but the the story of Joseph is a, is the is the uh, an essential portrayal of loneliness. And yet, that's not what the story focuses on, is it? Because instead of focusing upon himself, instead of being immersed in thoughts of loneliness or thoughts about himself, it seems like Joseph is a little dynamo of faith. And wherever he goes, that faith is like a light over his head. And so even though he's cut off from the church, he's cut off from anybody that believes like he does. He's cut off from anybody that could encourage him in the things of the faith. Nobody in Egypt is going to speak to him about Jehovah, about the power of Jehovah, uh, about Jehovah Jireh. Uh, who can sustain us and help us and provide for us. Nobody is going to do that sort of thing. Uh, Joseph was alone, and yet he prospered. Well, what can we learn from this man? What can we learn? How how can this help us? Because loneliness is a major, major problem in the world today. Even as we enjoy a certain amount of outward prosperity as a nation, Inwardly, it's like we're being eaten away by the canker of loneliness and, some, and often despair. We think of the, the suicides today. Suicides among men are, are, are I, think, I think the figure is that men uh, make up uh, 70% of the suicides of the nation. Because men are supposed to be in God's creation, men are supposed to be the, the titular heads of the family and the society. And, yet, and, and they're supposed to be able to be leaders and know where they're going and have some sense of what's right and wrong. And yet our day eats away like a canker, eats away like a worm at, at any sense of, uh, of uh, uh, male leadership, male confidence, if you, if you have no faith, if you do not know the Lord, if you don't honor the, the head of the universe, well, then how can you understand or be honored as the head of anything, whether it's your family or your company or whatever? All of these things fit together. They, they form a, a, a pro, either a productive system that works together for good or they, or they work together in a negative way, a destructive way. And loneliness is one of the great features today. Men are not want to talk. Men are not want to talk to each other. I've often used the illustration before. Sometimes when you pass a field and you see one, you see a cattle, and you see one one uh, cat, one bit of cattle in uh, the far corner of the pasture, all alone. You can almost be guaranteed that that's the bull, the old bull, all alone out there, uh, eating his grass, but not really. Uh, enjoying much beyond his solitude. Uh, this, is the, this is kind of the personality of a man, and uh, we have to fight against it. We have to try to escape out of ourselves. Um, you know, God did not create us to be bulls in the pasture. Oh, <laughs> he, he created us to be like David, like King David, like Jesus Christ, his only begotten son, and uh, to have a greater interest in people than the old bull. But uh, when we come to Joseph here, we see that, uh, that Joseph had some things going on in his life that, uh, that really uh, did affect him, uh, whether for better or for worse. Now, um, I'm going to focus here on, on items three and four, especially in the, in, the, uh, in the outline that you have in your bulletin, namely, the dimensions of loneliness, the dimensions of things that uh, that were negative that Joseph overcame, and then God's remedial measures, the blessings that God gave to Joseph, because they're the same today. Uh, Joseph's uh, uh, Joseph's troublers or torments were much worse than most of ours today. In some parts of the world, um, They're getting right up there. I imagine in the Ukraine today, where if you're living in the east in the Donbass region or areas like that, if you're still living there um, and your your house is under constant artillery fire and you don't know, you hear uh, groups of men uh, outside in your area, you don't know whether they're friendly or whether they're Russian and might come to uh, maraud you and to torment you. Uh, But... uh, Around the world, we, we, we definitely see that there are uh, problems, but Joseph seemed to have them in abundance. If there was ever a man who very easily could have imploded into himself and just uh, cried out, why me, or la- lamented his poor estate and wondered, why has God done this to me? If there was ever a man that would could lament at that point or with that focus, it was Joseph. Think of, think of this. Uh, he was betrayed by his brothers. Uh, God allowed him to suffer. Verse 1 and 2, it, 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 in a narrative fashion, it summarizes the thing pretty easily or simply. It says, now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer, a pharaoh, captain of the guard, in Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites. So Joseph was a captive of the Ishmaelites, Uh, Believe me, they didn't want him to escape when they took him down to Egypt to sell him. He was he was bound and not able to run, even if he we don't know whether he even would have tried to run. He may have had a sense in his heart such that he knew that God had a purpose for him despite these negative circumstances. But whatever the case, uh, 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 Joseph was bound uh, so that he couldn't escape. And he was taken down and taken to a slave market in Egypt. And uh, bought by uh, this uh, uh, captain of the guard. it probably wasn't Potiphar himself, but it was one of his agents that was looking for high-class slaves. Here was a slave who uh, was uh, was uh, was, uh, was fluent and uh, could could both speak and write um, uh, languages. We know at least Hebrew, and uh, it appears that that Joseph was not completely ignorant of the languages of the region either. How, how could you prosper the way that he did once he got to Egypt if he, if he didn't know how to communicate or if he wasn't very adept at, at uh, learning a language like the Egyptian of the day? So, uh, but in terms of the early verses of this text, it just points to the, all the negatives of his background. Uh, betrayed by his brothers, betrayed by his brothers. There's no, uh, the, 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 there, are word, there are verbs that indicate that we're tricked or we're taken advantage of. But betrayal is a special kind of a verb because it means the people that we trusted have turned on us and have inflicted harm upon us from their position of trust. It's the worst kind of of uh, torment that we can suffer—betrayed by a husband or a wife, betrayed by uh, our city or our region or our people. Betrayal. But this was Jacob's lot, but Joseph's lot. It wasn't. It wasn't just a a bad happenstance. It wasn't just negative providence. It was betrayal, uh, and. Uh, In verse 1, it brings out, too, that he was allowed to suffer. God allowed him, God allowed this to happen to him. Despite the fact that Reuben was against the idea of harming the boy, it was when Reuben was away from the family that his brothers followed through on this. And God allowed that. God is the master of every circumstance. He's the master of every decree, decree and every circumstance of those decrees. And so God allowed her to be be away. God allowed his brothers in concert to to think it was a good idea to sell him into slavery to this foreign person. Can you imagine selling someone in your family? These things are done today with the the sex trafficking that's taken place. Uh, Mothers and fathers are selling their little girls that are 8, 9, 10, 11 years old. They're selling them for money because the family is starving. And the little girl is the only uh, only uh, product that has any worth to them, and so they don't get much money for them, but they but they sell them. We think, how could that be? How can parents sell their own children and get them into, uh, be, to allow them to be sex trafficked then around the world? Some of the largest cities of America, I imagine, in Cincinnati, Ohio, there are apartments where uh, these kids have been trafficked, and where there are uh, uh, centers of uh, uh, gross sin going on, and the, and the kids have no capacity to escape uh, because their, their passports and their money and everything else is kept by their, uh, their hoarders, and these people are full of violence and willing to kill you in order to keep the situation covered up. We say, how could this happen? How could this happen in modern America? Well, this is the very kind of thing that happened to Joseph. How could God have allowed this? Well, we know how God could have allowed it because all things work out for good with those who are called according to His plans, Romans eight. And so, <clears throat> uh, but but God did allow Joseph to suffer, and uh, and then. He allowed Joseph to be uh, seduced, or rather, that's really the wrong word, the the, the correct word, to be tempted. He allowed him to be tempted by uh, Potiphar's wife. Now, Potiphar was the captain of the guard. He was a a high-ranking official in the Egyptian kingdom. How many women that are in that kind of a place, how many women that you've heard of or that you know of, how many women that you've seen on television that are married to politicians like this, or generals, how many of these women do you know that were of the, of the lower caste, in terms of beauty and these kinds of things? I say hardly any. Uh, the men of money and, and, and position tend to be associated with women of beauty. Women of beauty seek these men the men seek the women. It's like the poles of a magnet. And so they they stick together. Here's a woman, Potiphar's wife, who uh, Potiphar had never taken any Christian psychology courses, which teach you that you need to spend time with your wife. So all that, uh, Potiphar's wife, wh- who did she have the most opportunity with? Who did she have the most time with? Who did she have the most time to see how uh, his virtues? His physical beauty, because the Bible itself says that he was a good-looking man. Her husband's gone all day long running, running, with the, running with the bulls, as they say, you know, doing his military stuff. And here's this handsome guy here, and and they have chances to talk, and and she sees the beauty of faith in Joseph. She sees the the, the uh, affection that he is able to have with people, and so she she takes the opportunity then to try to seduce him. She wants to have that kind of fellowship. I'd, you know, I'd say men, you know, the men of the congregation, if you want the affection of your wife, then be more like Joseph. <laughs> That's what attracts a woman. Don't don't go to work all day long, and then wonder why, and just do nothing else. You don't pay attention to her when you, when you come home. That's not gonna work. Your, your wife is going to be uh, like a, a plant without water. In the negative sense of this, you see, God allows Jacob or Joseph uh, to be tempted in this way by this beautiful woman. Did Joseph have a wife at the time? No. Joseph was a a normal man. Joseph would have loved to have a a, a woman with whom he could be intimate, who he could love. who She could love him and he could love, love her back. It's a a picture of success in our lives when we find that kind of situation. And we feel free and we feel good and we feel jubilant when we can find those kinds of relationships in our lives. That was what was dangled right in front of Joseph's face. But he wouldn't have it. You see, Joseph had the mind of a believer. Joseph could see both the positives and the negatives. He was no doubt tempted in many ways, to succumb to her advances. But he knew that she was the kind of woman that there's instability. When a woman seeks love outside of her marriage, it's a sign of psychological instability. And he knew that she was exactly the kind of woman that as soon as he did something wrong, if he succumbed, if he went with her, she he knew that she was exactly the kind of woman who would then turn and use all of her powers against him when he was vulnerable. Just like she did when he resisted her, you see. You, you can see the kind of instability. As soon as he resists her, then she flies off the handle and tells lies about him and that sort of thing. And that was the fourth dimension here that, that we see working, that Joseph overcame. Uh, <coughs> he, was, he was defamed, not for evil, but he was defamed for good. He he was persecuted not for sin, but he was persecuted for righteousness' sake. How many of us have been persecuted for righteousness? We usually get in trouble because we do things wrong. But in in Joseph's case, he was uh, was persecuted for things that he uh, did right. So those are the negatives over which uh, Jacob's Jacob's loneliness could have festered. What were God's remedial measures? Because God, God took him to a place where he was going to be going to face difficulties, but God did not leave him alone there. Uh, God's Holy Spirit sustained him and worked with him. Uh, we see in verse two that it says that um, the Lord was with Joseph. Now, he doesn't say how the Lord was with him exactly. It tells us some ways in which he was with him. But the Lord was no doubt with him in terms of his faith. To begin with, Joseph was all alone, but he wasn't all alone because he was a transcendental man. You can be a transcendental man or a transcendental woman. That means that your life transcends the the things of this world. It transcends the Space, t- space-time continuum in which you find yourself in. Because God is beyond that. And when God breaks through and ministers to our hearts, we're all of a sudden, we're not a captive of this universe. The, 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 te- the temporary circumstances of this universe, the things that we can see and hear and touch, all of a sudden, our hearts are alive. And we see that there's more to it than the things that we can see and hear and touch and smell. And these kinds of things. So the Lord was no doubt with Joseph in that way. But God was also with Joseph in the circumstances, the outer circumstances of his life. There were characteristics that he had planted in Joseph so that Joseph was not, you you don't get to be uh, captain of the guard. You don't get to be uh, Potiphar's uh, main man. If you're moping around all the time, uh, if you're sorry for yourself, If you can't see God's hand in your life, nobody's attracted to a person like that. But people were attracted to Joseph because the the light of faith in his heart just shone out into the other areas of his life. And uh, even though where, where Joseph did have some authority to affect the circumstances of his life, he would try. And where he tried, God prospered him. Uh, First in Potiphar's house and then later in the jail when when Potiphar's wife got him in trouble. Wherever Joseph was. His faith worked within him. And you see, Joseph wasn't concerned about whether people would recognize his faith. Joseph was not concerned whether people would give him, would applaud his faith. He was just faithful. That's very often, you know, in the, in the Christian church, we get to the point, where I preach sermons like this, preaching like this. We say, OK, I'm going to try to do good. But what is the end or what is the purpose of our being good? So that people will applaud us. And then if they don't applaud us, we go backwards. Well, you see, that's that's not the way true faith works. True faith is not not concerned to be applauded. True faith is concerned, first of all, to applaud God. And in applauding God, true faith is happy. You can't get a good, faithful man down because you can't you can't get it at his life where it's going to hurt him. Because where his life is, where it would hurt him, he can only be hurt by God Himself. So that Job, when everything is taken away from him, he's suffering at every point that you could that you could be. He said, uh, the, "The Lord has given and the Lord has taken away." Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job was inspired by the name of God. He was inspired by the spirit of God. So he could not be messed with. There's nobody that's more upset or deflated or discouraged than Satan when he does what he did to Job, and yet Job was still smiling and still able to rejoice. It's a terrible predicament! Because because Job was not a man of this world, he was a man of the other. He had faith. Faith is transcendental. Faith works in us. And uh, especially if we are not worried about applause, <clears throat> uh, then we, uh, the Lord really can use us. The Lord can really use us. Um, I hardly ever got applauded as a, as a minister, uh, especially by my peers, by presbyteries, and that sort of thing. But uh, I, <laughs> the Lord just made me in such a way that I, I didn't care. I, I was in love with God's word. And so I was going to work the word and push the word, uh, w- w- you know, despite whatever my circumstances were. And if people were nasty and I had elders that were nasty, I <laughs> had situations that were nasty, but I just kept, I could pray and I kept pushing on. Uh, I, all of my attitude always was, uh, whatever the Lord Develops. That is what will work. That will that would be what develops. And so, if people were negative, I just say, well, I'll, I'll I'll think about it. You know, if they if they came with some complaint about my my behavior or my work, I'd think about it, I'd take it to heart, but I, I I wouldn't let it get me down. If I if in the self analysis that I did, that I could see I was doing good and I was working according to the Word of God. See that that's where inerrancy and the faith in the Scriptures really helps. If you if you see that you're doing what God says, then damn the torpedoes! You see, who cares? Who cares if the people are happy? If God is happy with you, and I can't say God has always been happy with me. I lament. Uh, I lament where I fall short very much, much more than you know. But where, where I'm doing right, where I'm doing good, I rejoice, and I'm sure not going to encourage the the negatives of my life by backing off the things that God God has told me to do. And that's what we all ought to have. Uh, You know, self-analysis, the scripture encourages us to it. Just so that when uh, when other people come with other negative things, we've already done most of that ourselves. And we're able to then move forward. This is the outlook of faith. And Joseph had the outlook of faith. So in the early verses 2 and 3, we see where he was sustained. We see where God prospered him, both in his life with, uh, with uh, Potiphar. I mean, how, who would know that you would be uh, bought by one of the main military people in the country? And then that that, that, that man was used to assessing gifts and capabilities or abilities in people <coughs> so that as he looked at Joseph and looked how he did, how he uh, related to the other people around him he he could see this is a man who knows what he's doing this is a man this is a man of leadership and so he got boosted up and then he got soul he got to turned into the prison by Potiphar's wife <laughs> again who would that be you know uh, most of us would think, man, I worked so hard and God was blessing me so much and and now what God, what has God done to me now now I'm in a prison. Well, God used the prison to make him the prime minister of Egypt. Think about it. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Because Jacob didn't worry that much about other people. He worried most about the Lord because his heart was filled from the inside out and he just continued to uh, move. His, uh, this, his, his, the Lord, when the Lord strengthened him against uh, Potiphar's wife, that was one of the most amazing things of all. How he he could have had the epitome, you could say, of of fleshly delight with this beautiful woman. And yet, what's he thinking about? He's thinking, I've been entrusted with this house by this man, Potiphar, and I cannot break his trust, even though there's all of this easy street in front of me in terms of what his wife would like to do. Where do such thoughts come from? You see, where, where do we get that, the focus of faith where we're able to negotiate our way through uh, temptations or short-term solutions? Where does that come from? Except the Lord. And so we rejoice in that, and, and, and Joseph rejoiced too, except that that, that landed him in prison. <laughs> so, but we know the rest of the story. We know how God worked with that. So Joseph was alone in the world, but he wasn't alone, was he? He was alone in the world in terms of his friends, his family, uh, his linguistic circles. He was alone in the world. He was cut off from everybody like that. The only thing that he had, the only thing he had was the Lord. (laughs) And when you've got the Lord, you've got everything. The New Testament tells us, Paul says, that he can be happy whether he lives or whether he dies. See, this is the perspective of faith. It's not just an outlook. It's an outlook that's ingrained within your heart. And so um, so it was with Joseph. And, uh, and uh, the Lord was able to use that kind of a, of a man again and again and again until he used him to rescue his people Israel and to be the great inspiration of Israel when this terrible, deadly, Famine struck them some years uh, later. Now, the most amazing thing about this is, and the idea of focusing on loneliness when it comes to Joseph, the most amazing thing with this is to think of how Joseph anticipates the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, it's astounding, because our Lord Jesus was also deprived. First of all, he was deprived of uh, his heavenly position, as the divine Son at the right hand of the Father, he was deprived when he came to this earth and he was born a baby. It was humiliating. A whole sector of theology, term, in terms of the, in terms of our Christology or our study of Christ, has to do. It, it, Christ's life can be divided up between his humiliation and his exaltation. Two great chapters of theology having to do with the Lord Jesus Christ, and. He was humiliated at almost every point. He was the, 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 the divine son through which the world was created. There was nothing made, John says. There was nothing made that was not made through Christ. The Logos, the eternal word of God. God spoke that word. Father, the Father spoke the word and the, everything came into existence. And here's this divine son being born in a cradle as a baby and crying and soiling himself here for some time before he could begin to take care of himself. Humiliation, having to be bad, fed. This was a torment to our Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, he was rejected by his family. Not his immediate family. All those brothers sometimes got uh, contentious with him and envious, we're told. But if we think of Israel as his family, he had come for the purpose of saving his people. And these very people betrayed him. And even in the worst case, they, they gave him over to the hated Roman. You think of that, how much they detested the Romans and the Romans rule the Romans authority over them. And yet when this divine son comes into their midst, they, they, uh, they sold him to the Romans of their day. And then uh, despite all of his righteousness, you think he would have been a, well he was acclaimed king for a moment at Palm Sunday. Uh, but for the most part, he was rejected. And and his righteousness was the very point of the, of that spear that they shoved into him. The, the, the spiritual leaders of his day, the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were bothered. They were irritated. Their allergies went crazy around Jesus because he was so good not because he was evil they were used to doing evil they recruited men of evil to be Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes they knew how to deal with that but they didn't know how to deal with a really righteous man so a really righteous man comes and even when the people uh, even when uh, the the Romans suggested that they take someone else instead like Bar- 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 Barabbas The people cried out um, that Barabbas might be freed instead of Jesus. Just a a terrible, terrible thing. Uh, But uh, in the the life of Joseph, Joseph so prefigures the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, even more than his father Jacob. The the patriarchs all held an esteemed position in leadership. But Joseph, the boy Joseph, ended up being the one that foreshadowed the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He was a David-like figure in the Old Testament. Um, And and yet, despite all that, we see that he successfully, he successfully atoned for his people and won them from the grasp of Satan and broke the the plans of the satanic so that they could never be remade again. That if we cast ourselves upon him, Satan loses all power over us except that which God allows him to, to do like he did with Job. And we know in the end when we die, when we lay our lives down, these poor, weak, sad lives of ours, when we lay them down at the end, we shall be glorified. Romans, or 1 Corinthians 15 tells us how can, how can the seed flourish or, or uh, germinate except it die metaphorically die in the soil but as soon as it dies then life bursts forth the green shoot breaks up through the soil and a new productive plant is is born and that will be ours when we die here upon this earth we will we will rise green in the heavens full of life a nubile life with God Joseph was alone, but he wasn't alone. Praise be to God. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we pray that we would have lives and faith like Joseph. We pray that you might work with us and do with us as you did with your son, Joseph. And even more so with an only begotten son, even Jesus Christ. Bless us, O oh Lord, with Thy righteous power, even in this evil world, help us not to feel so alone. Uh, Help us to be cured of our loneliness through the power of the Spirit and the knowledge of the gospel and kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.